heart of Los Angeles, the at-home edition of the Life Pages Show. Look at the bright lights. Look at the bright lights. We'll be swimming when we die. Look at the night sky. Look at the night sky with the stars I am Mark Fisher, and now our host. I am excited, very, about tonight's show. Very. Because, well, it's the Life Changes show. And because of our guest and our musical guest on the show tonight... Uh, it, it, just today, I saw a meme, and I wish I could. I knew who who to attribute this meme to, because I like it, and I like it more each time that I think about it. And I'm going to share it with you right now. And it was perfect uh, for today, as I was thinking about the show we were going to have tonight. The meme said, "Maybe it's not about the happy ending. Maybe it's about." the story. And I thought about that, especially with both of our guests and our musical guests and the stories that they have shared along their journeys of their life. And I thought, I have a lot to learn from these two women. I, I have to say, for example, our guest, uh, our guest's story uh, begins in hiding in the south of France during World War II, narrowly escaping capture by the Nazis. And with all the horrific stories that we know and, and can imagine and cannot imagine that accompany that short sentence and a life of almost 90 years of 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 so many things, here is how our guest ended our conversation with me when we spoke for the first time a couple days ago. She said, I don't have anything to complain about. And that stuck with me. And so I trust that as you hear both our guests and our musical guests, that much will stick with you as uh, our guest's book says. Her, her title of her book is Ava's Uncommon Life, Guided by Miracles. And similarly, we'll see a thread here when we speak with our musical guest and the creation of her musical, Interfaith. Interfaith, the musical. I am very excited about this show and these two women and sharing their stories today. I can't wait for us to come back and get right to it. We'll be right back on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition right after this. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. 
transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All five beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi meditation. Phi meditation helps you harness the power of I am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi beads at phibeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, beads.com. You are listening to The Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome, L.A., on the BBS Radio Network, with your host, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. You can hear tonight's show and all our past shows on our archive page at lifechangesshow.com, which include luminaries such as comedian Michael Collier, actress Gabriella Wright, performing artist James Hood, and author Ken Honda. Email your comments and questions to info at lifechangesnetwork.com, or AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. You can also comment via Twitter at LifeChangesShow and Facebook at The Life Changes Show. We are back. I am host Filippo Voltaggio online with our producer and co-host Mark Lejour. So excited for tonight's show. It's such a powerful combination, these two women and the stories. Uh, you know, I thought for a long time that I had excuses and reasons to complain. And uh, boy, have I learned otherwise, especially when you hear stories like tonight. Mm. And we have titled this episode Living Life as Though Everything is a Miracle. Within our guest book is Albert Einstein's quote that that starts like this. There are only two ways to live your life. One is though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. So our guest is an author, a storyteller, and a Holocaust survivor, and so much more. We welcome Ava Perlman to the Life Changes Show. Welcome, Ava. Thank you so much, Filippo. It is my honor to be on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. It is our honor as well, and you are very welcome. Thank you for not only sharing your story, but sharing it uh, in the way that you share it. Now, uh, you you probably have had many, many, many examples of people who said there that who had reason to complain, as as could you, uh, about their life. And did complain till the end of the year of their life. Is that is that not the case? Yes, I know some of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the sarcasm. <laughs> I stay away from them. <laughs> One of these people, God bless her, was your mother. Yes, she was. A, she was difficult as a mother for me. Yeah, she was a she was a formidable woman, extremely courageous, smart, beautiful. Um, and she did a lot for causes. She worked a lot for Israel and for Jewish causes. But she was a, a tough, um, demanding mother. 
And she was demanding on herself as well. Yes. Yes. It, it, it's interesting that some of this seems like it could have stemmed from the fact that because of circumstances uh, that uh, that were not her fault, she she could not achieve some of the goals and dreams that she had. Correct. Yes, it is correct. But many people have many obstacles in their lives and they can overcome them. The fact that my mother was not able to terminate to finish her medical uh, studies in Berlin because of Hitler uh, and she was excluded from more uh, classes at the time in October of 33. Uh, she could never get over this. She never really recognized all the good things that she had in life. So I start here because it's not as if uh, we don't know that life can sometimes uh, throw us curveballs and that and that we that we don't know that there has been much suffering in so many lives. And yet uh, at the end of our conversation, like I mentioned in the monologue, you ended with I don't have anything to complain about. Uh, in other words, you choose not to focus on that. Instead, what you choose to focus on is miracles. As a matter of fact, the first miracle you shared with me in, involves your mother. Yes, you mean the bicycle accident during the Co war? Correct, correct. Yeah, she. I, uh, this is a central story of, of how we survived the war. Uh, but she had a bicycle accident that saved her life, that stopped her journey down the road, down the mountain, and she would have fallen straight into all the German armies stationed at the bottom uh, in the plain. We were in the mountains. And had she not had that accident that stopped her, uh, she would have gone straight there and missed my father who came up on another road trying to get to her before she went on her trip. I mean, it's, it's kind of circumvoluted, but uh, it was really a providential accident. So... It seems that your mother had had at least two or more that you know of, and and she might have had more of what she might have been able to call miracles. Did did she call them anything? What when she referred to that? Did she refer to it as a miracle? No, I don't remember her, us ever talking about miracles. Mm, interesting. Even, even later in life, we. I mean, one day in her 80s, she suddenly uh, told me out of the blue, uh, I have really, um, um, I haven't had the life that, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, um, I ruined my life. Oh, and right. Because she could not become a doctor, which she dreamt of since she was five years old. And I said to her, but you had a wonderful husband. You have three good children. You have six grandchildren. You have great-grandchildren. They are all healthy. I mean, there is so much to be grateful for. She couldn't answer me. She didn't say anything. So I, I didn't expect to really talk so much about your mother, but I'm, I'm seeing how this is a fine example how uh, – of the contrast here, I, I'd actually like to stay on that, Ava, for just a little bit longer, because uh, the second miracle you told me about and that is also in your book is uh, to do with your mother getting on a train. Yes, 
<laughs> she ran across a bridge over the Rhone in Ber in Lyon to run to the she ran to catch her train and she arrived on the platform when the guy was whistling for departure and she was carrying a big um, burden of of kitchen utensils and three minutes later the train passed over a parallel bridge to the one that she had just run across and she was looking out the window still catching her breath and she saw that the bridge had been cordoned off by the Nazis at both ends and they were asking everybody for their papers and my mother would never have made it uh, I mean out of there because she would have been very suspicious um, carrying all that stuff, she would have been taken for a resistor, a resistance person. And, um, yeah, no, and her, and she didn't have a new identity card at the time, which gave her a French name and a, and a French place of birth. She was born in Germany on that identity card that she had, and she would have been taken. I mean, it was a matter of three or five minutes after she ran over that bridge. Hmm. And she caught her train. <laughs> <laughs> That's Fine. a miracle was, in itself. She almost flew into the train. <laughs> uh, well, actually, w one one last story, uh, because I think you list this also as a miracle I I in that where you all, your family was hiding, uh, there were... Uh, some people came to stay in that very place, right? You mean the Nazis came? Yes. 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 We, well, we were in open hiding. I heard another survivor say open hiding, and that's what it was, because we could we could go out in the street and, and lead as normal a life as possible, uh, even though we knew we were in danger. And uh, when the Nazis really came to the little village in the mountains, they wanted a room in the house uh, to sleep. And my our landlord volunteered my mother's bedroom because my father had just enlisted into the underground forces. Thank goodness, two, two or three weeks ago. And thank goodness he was gone because he looked more Jewish than the rest of us. And those Nazis got, uh, took over the, the, my parents' bedroom and slept for two weeks next to the three Jewish children in the other room. And they stayed for two weeks. And my mother spoke pidgin German with, with the, the orderly who came to bake a cake in the kitchen. And she spoke with a French accent and just putting words together, looking for them. Uh, and he never, he never had an inkling that she spoke German just as well as he. And then when they were ready to leave. Yeah, they were, they left in a hurry. Thank goodness. They were in a hurry because it was already late in 44 and they were afraid they were losing the war and they left quickly. They could, they didn't have the time to burn the house down and kill the inhabitants, which is what they usually did when they stayed somewhere so that they didn't leave any trace of their passage. But one funny thing is the orderly came to bake a cake in our kitchen and my mother stayed there and talked with him in her very, very bad German. And she asked him, 
um, and oh, and oh, you are married. So what is your wife? Your wife is alone. What does she do? And he said, well, she is. She has a bakery. And my mother asked, well, does she have any help in the bakery since you are gone? And he said, yes, she has a French prisoner who helps her. And my mother said, French prisoner? And she put a bee in hers in his ear. <laughs> he became suddenly very uh, afraid, uh, anxious that maybe his wife was having a good time with a Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> she does sound, as you said, a formidable woman and... Uh, <laughs> And, she was and, very brave, <laughs> yeah, and and brave and strong, and and, strong. and so this quality of yours to be able to look at these stories that you either experienced or heard from your family and say these are miracles. Where, where, when did you first started referring to them as miracles? Oh, I don't remember. Many years ago, when I started telling my story, I mean, this bicycle story is the greatest miracle of all. Um, but the way I met my husband was a total miracle as well, because I was extremely shy. I was 24 years old. No young man had ever looked at me. I was a wolf, wallflower. And he just, he just fell into my lap. And we, we got, were married in five weeks. It was love at first sight. He started speaking about possible marriage after 24 hours. Wow. <laughs> an American, so that's why I'm in America. <laughs> and, and and that turned out so well. The best man who ever lived. I mean, apart from my father and my brothers and my my son, I have been blessed with the men in my life. So you, I I, I wonder. Do you have a, a thought as to whether miracles happen in your life because you think of them as miracles, the the coincidences that some might say um, and then brush them off, but rather you focus on them and so maybe more happen? Maybe, maybe. And also being grateful and being positive, it attracts, you know, the law of attraction. We attract what we what what we think about, um, and and being positive and being generally happy and choosing to be happy, it it all goes together. The the universe responds. I think. So, you have had just just as a as a as another example that that's in the book, Eva. I, I really like the story of. Well, uh, a couple of them. One of them was uh, meeting somebody from, was he from Australia? Yes, my only, my only relative in Australia, whom I only knew by name. I knew I had a relative in Australia who was a rabbi. I knew his parents who live in Cape Town, South Africa, because I went to visit them one day uh, some 18 years ago. Uh, because I went on a safari, I was invited on a safari to Kenya. So I decided to go uh, visit them and I stayed a week with them. Uh, I knew of them because my mother went to this guy's bar mitzvah in 1985. 
to South Africa. So I looked them up and I spent a very wonderful week with them. And they told me that their son lived in Australia and was a rabbi married with, with a child. So when I went to Israel, my first, my first March of the Living, oh, we, we haven't talked about the March of the Living. But no, but we will, we will. I've gone to Israel many times, but in 2011, um, we were just thousands of people waiting to march on Independence Day to the Western Wall. And I decided that uh, we were waiting to march, so I decided I wanted to meet someone uh, from a different country. And I was going to approach him and say, hi, I'm Eva from California, who are you? And actually, my timidity has gone by, uh, has gone a little bit, as you can tell. Uh, and I went, I see this man standing by the wall in cut shorts, uh, well shaved. Uh, and uh, I thought, oh, he is alone. I'm going to go there. And as I approached him, I saw his name on his chest, on, on his uh, name tag, Paul Levine. And then I saw Australia, and instead of saying hi, I said, are you a rabbi? And he certainly didn't look like one, clean shaved, <laughs> cut shorts and everything. And he was floored. He said, yes. And I said, and your parents live in Cape Town? Yes. So I'm happy to meet you. I'm Eva Gutmann, Perlman. We couldn't believe it <laughs> because I didn't know even what he, what he looked like, you know. And... What took me there? What propelled me to choose just that person in thousands of people? And had I known that he was on the March of the Living that year, he came there from Sydney with 45 students. Had I known he was there, I would probably never have been able to find him. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he... You say that, and yet when you shared this story with me, I wrote down that in quotes that you said something beautiful. You said, things just happened to me. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's true. All my life, things have happened out of the blue that I didn't plan. And I decided this has fashioned my, my latest philosophy of rolling, going with the flow, you know? Mm -hmm. Things just happen. Things happen from the universe, and you accept them or you don't. You say well, yes or you say no if you have a choice. Things like that. So yeah. I talked about opportunities. They say you know, usually opportun opportunity knocks. I don't think it knocks. It creeps by very silently. And if you don't pay attention, it goes elsewhere. So... You have met an Australian relative out of many people from across the across yeah. the world. Yes, uh, uh, and I, I am I am curious. Uh, how many people have you met that are close to your age that uh, feel the same way and are positive like you are? Uh, these days, maybe one or two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very few. What What do you think that they have that you that like? Did Did you see something in them like makes you say maybe that's why they're that way? 
No. Because we know you didn't get it from your mother. Is is that's how we started, right? Um, okay, how we started, and that's maybe also in uh, in uh, in contrast to her. But I've had many years of personal development seminars. Okay, which have helped to to develop me in in some way. Okay, Different. so 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 these other people did 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 they what what. What might they have said that made you uh, what made you think that they were thought like you and, and were positive? Well, what kind of the conversations did you have around that? Well, when I'm in a seminar where everybody is happy and positive and, and we all eat together, I mean, it's easy. But older people, I live among 55 people whose average age is over 90. Mm. And. There are one or two or three people who are really happy. I mean, who look happy. Everybody else just, I mean, uh, the present situation also with the masks and the vaccines and the testing every week and all that. I mean, it it brings people down and uh, we've been, they've been quite depressed here. We still eat, we again eat in our rooms. We, we don't eat in the dining room because mm. of the health department, mm. Mm. Which, which has many rules. Mm. And one lady actually said to me, the, the second time that we eat in our rooms, I'm more depressed than the first time. And the first time was 18 months of eating in our rooms. Mm. It feels almost like in a prison, you know, they come to our door and they, uh, I have my tray and they put the food on the tray that I want. And, and then I go sit on, on my chair and eat. <laughs> but they are very good here, though. I find that the, the service is wonderful. But people in general are not happy. You know, they say growing old is not for sissies. But I'm so so grateful that I'm so busy. I'm talking this afternoon. I spoke to students uh, of two high schools. I told my story on Zoom. Uh, Tonight I'm speaking here. I always have a lot of email to go through. I go through a lot of information every day. I read a lot. I walk every day at least a minimum of two miles. I I do all the time. I think I think I live in my own bubble because I don't, I don't play bingo or, or Ruby Cube or whatever it is that everybody <laughs> else plays. And now they don't even play. Whatever we do, we oh. played a word game yesterday on the phone. I mean, how can you? <laughs> so oh, they want to do poetry on the phone. We can't get together in a room. You know, we can't sit next to each other, even wearing masks, even when we are all negative. You know, uh, Eva, you you did say that even when you were able to get together, you didn't really connect with a lot of people and that most of all, you uh, avoided people who are negative. And why is that you were saying? Because it takes it takes away my energy. I don't need their negativity. In fact, in the dining room, when we went back to the dining room, I sat on my own. I wanted to sit on my own because I read. I read a lot. I did not want to to make small talk about the weather. 
or, or the, the, the drugs that my neighbors take, you know, or what I find is most people my age have nothing to look forward to. So they, they only talk about things of the past. They tell me stories that I'm not interested in, but they talk, they talk. Some of them, you can't stop them from talking about old stuff. And I'm not interested. I didn't even ask for it. But I'm still looking to the future. I'm looking at what is happening today. I'm, I am blessed with a wonderful family. Um, I, I still network with some people. I do business networking, even though my business is kind of gone. And I don't want to do it anymore. But I do a lot of things. I am constantly busy. And that is what help, helps me to stay healthy. Wow. And keeps me happy. Well, and you also work with the youth. So when we uh, come back, we're going to talk about March of the Living and okay. your your work with them. And I, I am enjoying listening to you. And I, I'm enjoying that we're getting to share this message from a person who is authentically uh, this way. When I spoke with you, I, I found you this way. And, and Dorothy and, and you have connected our executive producer many times and you are this way. So uh, and, and you yeah. both have mutual friends and you are this way. So for you to share in this way, to write your book in this way is uh, so important. And speaking of, the book is Eva's Uncommon Life guided by miracles. You got a taste of some of the miracles and some of the way that Ava describes it. It's available on Amazon and where books are sold. You can find it online. And we also have a link for uh, Ava where you could learn more about her on our page that we've created for her on the Life Changes Show. We'll be speaking more with the incredible Ava Perlman, uh, when we come back and in our next segment, we also have our Ask Dorothy segment. And then soon after that, a musical segment with Ruth, Broidy, Sharon, all on the Life Changes show at Home Edition right after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and the little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic, while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. Listening to the Life Changes Show live from Vortex Dome LA with your host, Filippo Voltaggio. You can visit us online at lifechangeshow.com. 
via Twitter at Life Changes Show and Facebook at the Life Changes Show. We are back. We are speaking with our interview guest, author, storyteller, Holocaust survivor, Ava Perlman, who's written an autobiography titled Ava Ava's Uncommon Life, Guided by Miracles. And uh, we'll, we'll, Ava, before we get into uh, the march, um, there, there is, there are so many quotes that I wrote down when we last spoke, and I, I could have spoken to you for for a longer time, and 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 would have been happy getting more quotes because I don't hear them often from people. Period. Well, in my circle, I do, thankfully, but not not from a, a lot of people, and and certainly not somebody that has reached a certain age, and. It's not because people have reached a certain age. I think a lot of us carry our troubles and our negativity or our fears or our problems from from one experience to the next, from one part of our life to the next, like luggage. Right, Ava? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um. Well, so... so- so yeah. you said so. So you said things like uh, uh, it's important to be grateful. Uh, you said God created us with sound mind and body, and it's up to us what we do with it. Yes, we always have a choice, and, and so there's, there's always a silver lining to anything that happens. Sometimes it's difficult to find it, but it's there. You said things like, I am very blessed. Yes, I feel very blessed. Because, as I said, I have nothing to complain about. I'm happy. I'm grateful to live where I live. I thank God every day. I count my blessings every day. And it is important to be grateful, you said. So So with that, you said how busy you are, and I can attest to that. <laughs> we had to schedule to connect, and, and it was wonderful. And, and that uh, you have dedicated so much of your time to working with youth so history doesn't repeat itself. And so we learn from uh, people who were part of his certain history. Tell us about uh, one thing that brings you so much joy and you have passion over. Going to this with the students uh, to Poland where they learn about, about, oh my God, where they learn about the Holocaust, where it happened. Um, I love to be with the students because I feel quite youthful uh, when I'm with them and we laugh we together and we tell jokes and uh, I've come back with all, all these years with many phone numbers and emails and they want to get in touch with me and they come to visit me and I just love being with young people much more than with old people. <laughs> <laughs> And they like being with you. And so I, I understand they, they like say. learning and, and that they have called you a jokester. Yes, well, I, 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 I tell them jokes. I amuse them during the trip because <laughs> the trip is not always very happy. 
pretty do pretty pretty doom and gloomy. So uh, in the evening we get together and we 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 uh, amuse ourselves. We we tell jokes. Uh, I tell them the story of how I met my husband. And of course, they are all eighteen years old and they they eat it and drink it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I heard something about your jokes. Uh, somebody said Ava Perlman tells dirty jokes. How do you explain? Yeah, and I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> I mean, my jokes are not dirty. They are what I consider a dirty joke is a bathroom joke, and okay. I don't like them, and I don't tell them. But jokes having to do with a body part or, or making love, I mean, to me, is not a dirty joke. Nice, nice, agreed, agreed. Uh, Ruth, as as we're coming to the close of our time together this time around, I'm looking forward to more. Uh, I I think uh, there, there's something very important. You, you've said a lot of very important things, but there's something that really stuck with me as so many of us are experiencing something at this time that we trust very soon we will be on the other side of. Um, at, at the same time, though, like uh, what people experience during the war that you've been talking about, World War II, you said that on the other side of it, people left that experience with a lot of negativity, uh, yes. a lot of yeah. hate, a lot of, right? So, so what can we do so that doesn't happen now? Well, they, they lost their faith in God because they were in camps for months or years and, and suffered tremendously. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, I am not a teacher. I'm not a philosopher. I am nothing really. I'm just an ordinary woman who has had an, an amazing life. So I don't know what we can do except tell the story and not forget what happened. And and um, try to, I don't know what we can do to the deniers that the Holocaust ever happened, but um, I don't know what what to say, honestly. Well, you, I know I know some other survivors who who are great at philosophizing and speaking very well. I I just can't. I I don't know. I don't know enough. Actually, your your story speaks for itself. Actually, the positivity that you've been able to to have in in throughout your life and at this time, uh, even when I asked you what is good about getting older, and you said I could read a lot more, and I still drive, I get to see my friends, and yes. and then you said uh, something that you. You like uh, keeping healthy and you you like still, because you were a nurse as well, you like yes. still supporting other people and reminding them how to keep well. So you're living it. Yes, well, I'm trying, trying my best. <laughs> well, uh, it, it seems like you are succeeding. And uh, to get the attention of, of the people that you get the attention from, the youth and uh, people that are reading your books and saying some incredible things about them. Uh, one person said, Ava's positive outlook, ability to overcome hardship, and the ways in which she has used her experiences to teach others about tolerance and respect 
our models we should all strive to emulate in our own lives. That was Maya Aheron. Uh, so thank you for being all of that. And for welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I've enjoyed being on the show. And one last thing, we choose to be happy and also always be yourself. I know people who are two-faced and I'm always who I am. Wow. Well, uh, thank you so much. Actually, I, I mentioned that uh, that the students are also uh, 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 enamored by you. Here's a student that said, Ava, not only is your story so inspiring, but your genuine love of life is amazing. So Ava's Uncommon Life, Guided by Miracles, is her book. It's available on Amazon and where books are sold online. Come to our page for Ava Perlman on the Life Changes Show website, and you will find a, a link or two to other things that she's done and a beautiful video of her uh, talking uh, as a Holocaust survivor saying, don't block your blessings. Ava, a true pleasure indeed. Thank you, Ava Perlman. Thank you, Filippo. Look forward to connecting again very soon in Me person too. someday. <laughs> and with that, we have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy, this is Olivia in Los Angeles. I'm happily married with two children, five and seven years old. For the most part, we have a good and happy life. And yet I'm really frustrated with how my simple and yet important requests are often ignored. How can I get my husband and children to respect me enough to do the things that I want them to do? I wish they could just do their homework, help with the dishes, and take out the trash when asked to do so. I'm not asking them to change the world, and yet I can't get them to hear me. And it is hard to talk to them knowing they will ignore me. I'm just trying to get them to be more helpful and considerate and to do things that I ask without delay. Please help. Dear Olivia, Thank you for this important question. Our words, voices, and thoughts are energy, and we must choose them consciously because our words and our voices and our thoughts create our reality. I ask that you look at the words you used in your question. I want. I wish. I am frustrated. I am trying. I can't. It is hard. These words and phrases are not the most helpful for creating the life you wish to have. Let's remember that whatever words we put after the words I am are going to create a reality. The word trying means to attempt. A better word phrase could be I am doing my best. Trying sets us up for failure. I am frustrated simply affirms your frustration and makes it a part of your life. The words, I can't, set us up for failure. Olivia, I lovingly suggest that you look into Dr. Masaru Moto's powerful work by researching his book, The Hidden Messages in Water. Dr. Emoto did scientific experiments showing the effects of words on water. And since our bodies are 84% water, his work showed me the power of our words to create our realities. Dr. Emoto's book changed my life. I wish I had known about the power of our thoughts and words earlier in life, and especially when I was raising my children. Like you, I would tell them to do their homework, etc. If I had used Dr. Emoto's words, let's do it, when speaking with my family, instead of saying, do it, 
A whole lot more would have been accomplished without frustration. Let's do it indicates cooperation. And I've discovered that it is a magical phrase that assists the ones I'm speaking with to hear my requests. And they often respond by doing what is suggested. I also do my best to thank them for their cooperation. When I first discovered Emoto's work, I'd been in a wheelchair for two and a half years, and I had believed the doctors when they told me that I'd never walk again without excruciating pain. After I was gifted with Emoto's powerful book, I changed my thoughts and my words about my physical condition and have been out of that wheelchair for over 16 years. It could serve you well to change your thoughts and words to something like this. My family hears me clearly. It is easy for me to find the right words to accomplish the results that serve us as a family. By changing your thoughts and your words, this could change the way they respond. It could serve you to always carefully choose your words when making requests and be sure to thank them for hearing you and cooperating with you on the occasions that they do. So, Olivia, I lovingly urge you to research not only Emoto's work, but to also research the power of our words and thoughts and become willing to use your words and phrases and thoughts that serve you in getting your desires accomplished. Sage advice as always, Dorothy. Thank you. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. And we'll be right back with our musical guest, Ruth Broidy Sharon, here on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition right after this. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening. Someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. The Life Changes Show is a premier radio show presented by the Life Changes Network, which is a company whose team has dedicated their lives not only to positive change, but to helping others observe and embrace, honor, and even celebrate their own changes thus enabling a more positive, inspired life and helping to create a more positive and inspired world. From everyday people, celebrities, corporate giants, and children, we are here to help and to serve. With heart, integrity, and experience, we bring our message and positive intent into your lives through the Life Changes Show, lifechangesnetwork.com, and through guest appearances on other inspiring shows and events. If you wish to learn more about Life Changes Life Coaching, a private consultation with one of us, corporate or live event appearances, or if you would like us to appear on your radio or TV shows, please email us at info at lifechangesnetwork.com. 
we are back. I am Filippo, and this is the Life Changes Show at Home Edition. And for our musical segment, we are happy to have honored internationally for her interfaith activism and leadership. She is a filmmaker and journalist turned creator of Interfaith the Musical, Ruth Brody Sharon. Welcome to the Life Changes Show. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you. It's so perfect to have you on the show, period. But how perfect today uh, with our guest, Ava Perlman, you had so much to share that you added so much color with music and all of that, which ties in so beautifully to what you're doing. Well, more so than you know, Filippo, because the title of my interfaith memoir is Minefields and Miracles. Oh, wow. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, you're wearing the shirt <laughs> that says be interfaithful and multiply minefields and miracles dot com. Uh, so, how, uh, OK, so please tell us more. Well, when I began working in the interfaith communities more than 30 years ago, it, it wasn't easy. As a matter of fact, a lot of people didn't even know what interfaith was. And um, I came into it in a way through the back door because I didn't, I wasn't affiliated with an organization. I just discovered by making a film about Passover, the Jewish holiday, that so many people who weren't Jewish wanted to attend and be part of, of the rituals of, mm. the, of retracing the steps of Exodus and discovering what in their own lives, who was the Pharaoh of their own lives and how they could liberate themselves. And, and then I realized that the holiday had universal appeal. And I met an African-American minister woman, Dolores Gray. She was part of a black community where the pastor was celebrating Passover every year for like six years to, with 600 African-Americans. And I filmed that and I met her and afterwards we spoke and we, we both had a kind of, you know, Ava would definitely understand this. You know, there was a moment when I said to her, well, why don't we organize a pilgrimage to the Holy Land and we'll invite people from all the different faiths and wow. we'll retrace the steps of Exodus and we'll share our faith stories. And even though everybody will be invited, but let's concentrate on having African-Americans and Jews come because we were so close to each other during the civil rights movement. And after that, something happened and there, there was this huge gap that developed and, and, and the relations weren't as warm and friendly. And so when I said that to her, she went pale. She looked like she was going to have a, a stroke. And we asked what? her what's the matter. And she said, well, I received three prophecies from three different ministers. They didn't know me, but they all said the same thing. They said I would be leading the most unusual trip to the Holy Land, and it would include Africans, Americans, and Jews. Oh, wow. So that was you know, the beginning guided of... Guided by miracles. Guided by miracles. And we knew, we knew, we looked at each other, and we knew that we had been selected for that. And so we did it in 1993. We did it in 94, 95. And then we stopped. It was very arduous. We always lost money on it. We never intended to make money. We just wanted to cover expenses. But 
there was so much organization to do, so much public relations. And, and of course, as a filmmaker, I wanted to make sure it was all filmed. And so I would hire a crew, especially for our Universal Freedom Seder at the culminating events of the pilgrimage in Jerusalem, where we invited not just the pilgrims, but people from literally all over the world to come and join us. Mm. So, and it was in, in 94, it was actually covered by CNN World News uh, because they felt it was significant. And also I had arranged for the mayor of Jericho, uh, Muslim Rajai Abdo, to come with his wife. She had never been in the presence of Israelis or Jews before. And they wow. came, they were our guests for that Universal Freedom Seder. It was very moving. And so that's how I sort of came into the movement. And then I discovered there was a Parliament of the World's Religions and there was United Religions Initiative. And I discovered all the other organizations. But I didn't know when I first started that this was going to become the focal point of my life for more than 30 years. Well, there so, seems to be yet, yet another theme here. Talk about minefields and miracles and guided by miracles. You, you And you said you kind of came to to this through the back door. Well, you kind of came to musical, a musical through the back door. Or, I, I <laughs> well, mean, that was more than a back door. That was, I think, <laughs> dropped from heaven. I, I, I still don't quite believe it. And people who've known me all my life are... Uh, I wouldn't say they're more surprised than I am, but they're just as surprised, including my sister. When she first started hearing my music, I would send it to her. She called me up one day and she said, where have you been all your life? What have you been doing? I didn't know you could do this. And so to And you start, didn't either, right? No, I didn't. I, I always played the piano. I learned piano when I was growing up and I loved playing the piano, but I was not, I was a filmmaker and I was a journalist and an author and uh, I started um, in 2014 I was having issues my blood pressure was spiking up and that all the doctors said to me you know medication of course but also walk just walk so I invited a friend of mine to walk with me and we walked two or three times a week and one day he said he couldn't walk with me anymore because Another friend of his needed him more than I needed him, an older friend, and he just he needed his company. And so I said, okay. And so I started walking by myself. And, you know, that's when you're on your own, you get to hear God's voice. You don't get to hear God's voice when you're having a conversation about your kids and the rising inflation and everything. You don't, you don't get to hear God's voice. But when you're finally, you just put everything else aside, and I was enjoying nature and so forth. And then these words started coming out. I heard them in my head. I heard the melody and I was startled, but I just went with it. And the first words I heard were, what if when you awoke, you were wearing a stranger's shoes? What if when you awoke, you shared your enemy's extremist views? What if when you awoke, you think in color, not black and white? What if when you awoke, you could imagine not being right? And I started laughing because I thought this is really wonderful. Who is, who is organizing the entertainment for me? <laughs> mm. And the, the words that came on after, which I think are really central to the entire musical, 
uh, the chorus was, what if, what if, what if we all could see the beauty of one expanding humanity? What if? And then the rest of the song, and then I shared that with friends, and they were surprised like I was, and they didn't know why I suddenly did that. I didn't know why, but then more songs came out until I had a body of work of some 30 songs. And they were all around the, the theme of celebrating our diversity, our magnificent cultural and religious diversity. They were all around that theme. And, but they were also not just the, the uh, celebratory aspect of it, but the challenge of it. Like, for example, one of the songs that came out, and I remember I felt like crying while I was actually writing it. It was the song... What if my children go astray? Mm. What if they find another way? What happens to our family tree? What happens to our legacy? And, you know, I saw so many cases of children leaving the fold, not just religiously, but culturally. Also, um, kids who had to confess to their parents that they they were gay or transgender or whatever it was where they knew that their parents would be disappointed, angry, uh, critical, and perhaps would not want them anymore. You know, painful subjects too. So these songs that were coming out were a reflection of the entire spectrum of interfaith engagement. And I didn't understand why I had been chosen. You know, like Ava talked about you know, why certain people are chosen for certain things. And how did she meet her cousin from Australia? Right, <laughs> right. We don't really understand that, but I think, I, be, I believe what she said is very, very accurate. I think that um, there are these synchronicities that exist, but it's up to us to notice them. And I think they're always there, but we're not always attuned to them. We're not always aware enough. We're, we're too busy with our own self-talk. Like when I stopped, my self-talk was when I started hearing the music and the songs. And um, I think I told you this on the phone that I would sometimes wake up in the morning and even before I could get out of bed, I would hear a melody and I would feel like someone was waiting on the other side so eager to share their music and their lyrics with me that they couldn't even wait for me to get up. And I would say out loud, okay, guys, just a second, give me, give me a moment here. You know, I felt like there was, it was through me that I was the vehicle that I was selected to do this because of my experience in the interfaith community, because of my love for all the different communities and my knowledge of many of their beliefs and their, their rituals and their customs. But I also felt that there was there were, there, were, there were more, I don't want to call them entities, I don't know what to call them, energies, but there were many, many people involved in this aside from just me. And that I, you know, I'm grateful that I was selected because it's, it's, it's meant so much to me personally and also because some of the challenges that I had to go through in order to work on this project, which I think maybe we'll talk about in a little bit, but... Um, it was, I call it a cosmic download. I have no better way to explain it than that. Well, I, and actually that, that's, that's really important because that, that 
ties into the miracles and and the guidance and uh, and so please please do share that because it's it it ties into also like you're on a mission and this mission uh, like we were speaking with Ava's journey uh, this mission mission has been going on for a while. Uh, and, you know, and, and, right? I want, I want to just echo something that, that Eva, Eva said that was so meaningful to me about how some people just expect miracles to happen, and they do. And other people say everything is coincidence. You know, you know there's another famous Einstein quote. You mentioned one about either you view the wor world as if it's full of miracles or that it's not. You know, that's like a choice. But Einstein also said... Um, when, when things like this happen and people say it's coincidence and Einstein said coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Right, right. So I don't believe any of it is coincidence, but some people can't make that leap and can't accept the fact that there is some paranormal activity that is going on. And the only reason it's paranormal is because if you haven't opened yourself to hearing it or or accessing it, then it seems to you that it's impossible. And, and when people tell you about their experiences, and I've had I've had uh, ESP and paranormal experiences my entire life. My family knows that, and uh, I can't explain how how I know. I have to be at a certain place at a certain time. I don't know why, but that is the place where I'm supposed to meet someone for a very important reason. And then that person shows up and they say, what are you doing here? And I say, I'm waiting for you. And they say, how could you be? <laughs> Make an arrangement. So I remember my sister once said to me, because part of, part of this belief system leaves you open to being called, um, uh, how should I say, not realistic or, you know, not practical. I think and, I'm thinking you're thinking of other words, but yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My sister once said to me, the trouble with you is that you always think there's a miracle waiting you right around the corner. And I said, but there is. <laughs> and I have, and I see that over and over again, it has happened with meeting people and with just, just amazing, amazing circumstances. And, and so maybe we're, some people are predisposed towards it, but I really do believe that everyone has the capacity to experience miracles and extraordinary adventures. And there's another rabbi that um, I wanted to bring up, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, that said the most important thing is for us to live in a state of radical amazement, radical amazement that everything in life, he too said too, is a miracle. So I think I think we're in good company. Well, it's so much in good company. I just got a message from uh, uh, Ava, who's listening, of course, to the show, and she says, "I want to meet her too." And so, <laughs> and, and as you had echoed that actually earlier with me on the phone. So, so with that, we're going to get a chance to experience what you're talking about and that is interfaith the musical this journey that you're on on the way to where uh well it's already done so much good and uh it it, it it's broadway bound uh in the meantime 
the the music is available. There's volume one, there's volume two, and at the rate you're going, there'll be three and four. But I know you have to kind of stop and write a libretto in the meantime. So uh, right. tell us uh, we're tell us why humor is so important and how humor plays such a big part uh, without offending. Uh, quite the contrary, actually. And and then the song we're going to hear is is Buju. So tell us about that. Well, first, I have to say that when I when I was growing up and I was 16 years old and I was exposed for the first time to literature from the Holocaust, um, I, I felt paralyzed. And I, I remember mm. that that entire year was difficult for me because I couldn't believe that a human being could do that to another human being. It just, it didn't make any sense to me. And especially because my mother, uh, my mother was not a Holocaust survivor and my, my father, neither was my father, but my mother came from Riga, from Latvia, and she escaped there from the pogroms. So it's been, a, it's been a continuous part of Jewish history, persecution and having to survive and thrive in spite of that. And one of the things I noticed is that Jews were always telling jokes about themselves, mm-hmm. always. Mm. And it turns out that that was actually one of the secrets, I think, of Jewish survival. There's a there's a very famous joke that maybe Eva knows this one, about two Jews' friends are sitting in, in Germany, and they're both reading the newspaper. And one is laughing hysterically, and the other one is crying. And so the one who's laughing looks at the other one and says, why are you crying? And he says, well, look what it says. It says they're taking our people, they're putting them in cattle cars, they're taking them to concentration camps, and they're killing them, and the world doesn't care. And then he looks at his friend and he says, and why are you laughing? He said, well, I'm reading the German newspaper, and the German newspaper says that the Jews are in charge of all the money in the world. They're the owners and the bosses of everything, and it's because of them, right? that the world moves on and 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 that's why Germany's having so many economic problems. So there there it was mm. two two friends, one reading a Polish newspaper and one reading a German newspaper about the same situation and there's one that can laugh at it because he understands that the humor is a cover up for pain. Mm. And so we're uh, so so in in this story, though, uh, you uh, with the I'm a Buju, there's no pain in this one, right? Well, I have to tell you, I got an email from someone who said, well, well, we should hear the words first and then I'll talk about the email I got. okay? (laughs) and it relates to having a sense of humor about ourselves. So. Okay. One, one of, I made the discovery that there are people that are following two religions simultaneously, which you would think could not possibly correlate, coordinate, or integrate, and yet they're doing it. And so I wrote a song called I'm a Buju. Here it is. <laughs> okay. From Interfaith the Musical. Then I'm Jewish, I'm a Buju. Why choose only one when you can choose two? Forget the pros and cons when they're all true. I'm a Buju. I 
emulate the Buddha and his worldview. I like to meditate and then to argue. I agonize all day, a true Jew. Sanskrit and then Hebrew. I'm a Hindu, and when I told my mother, she went bonkers. She said, "You're not from India, you're from Yonkers." But devotion of the heart is what conquers. The devotion of the heart. We are hybrid. The new kid. I'm Buju. I'm Jufi. I'm Hindu through and through. Through and through. Nice. <laughs> well, that was from Interfaith. The musical, Ruth Broidy Sharon, uh, creator, uh, lyricist, and et cetera, et cetera, except not singer. And we're going to uh, reference the singers here or give credit to the singers here in just a moment. just want to make sure that everybody knows interfaiththemusical.com is where you could learn more about the musical. Actually, you could also get the uh, CDs of both uh, the musicals. It's also uh, both volumes, rather, uh, and it's also available online. You could find Ruth uh, Sharon on Facebook. Interfaith the Musical is also on Facebook. So look uh, and and on LinkedIn too. So just look for. We have all the links on the lifechangesshow.com website. So Ruth, you were starting to uh, share with us. By the way, before you do, the devotion of the heart is what conquers uh all great lines but that one touched my heart um so i was asking no pain in this one all humor right and you said well let's hear the song first (laughs) okay so well the 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 relief for one person who heard this when this was performed publicly at laverne university was she came up to me and she said oh my god ruth she said i'm christian and I'm Buddhist, and I could never tell anybody about it. Nobody in my family knows. I was so embarrassed to admit it. And now I understand there's an entire community of people that have more than one religion. 
and that are following them, I'm so relieved. Thank you so much for this song. So that was a relief of pain, right? Mm. And yes. then recently I got it. I was writing about my how this all began, and my second newsletter about it uh, mentioned that I'm a Buju, and I had just a few of the lines there, and I had someone write to me, uh, a Jewish woman, and she wrote, why do, you, why do you have to be so critical of the Jews? You didn't make fun of the Buddhists. Why do you have to make fun of the Jews? Oh. And so I said, well, I said, I hope you get to listen to all of the songs, and you'll see that I poke fun at everybody, because we all need to poke fun at ourselves. Hmm. This is an equal opportunity, you know, um, how should I say caricature? And I say caricature because even within the confines and of a caricature, there is a truth to the character. And and I felt that if we can't make fun of ourselves, then we can't this this enterprise of sharing our faiths is not gonna work. We have to we have to be able to also make fun of ourselves. Now, of course, there's a question of what is politically correct. And some jokes you can only tell about yourself and about your own religion, and you can't tell them about someone else's religion. But a, a friend and I uh, of mine and I, um, actually she was she inspired this song, I'm spiritual but not religious. And um, we were going to try to put together an interfaith joke book. And it, it, oh. it was really difficult because it's okay when you're telling stories about your own faith, but mm. the moment you publish it and then someone will see it, like, just like this woman did in her email to me, she felt uh, she felt criticized and she felt challenged. And and um, mm. and I wrote back to her because I, I took her email seriously and I thanked her for sharing with me. And I said, I think one of the great gifts of the Jewish people to the world is our humor and the fact that I'll give you one of the best examples I know of that happened in recent times is that when uh, in I think it was in uh, Sweden or Denmark they published a uh, a cartoon which showed uh, the Prophet Muhammad wearing a turban that was actually uh, a bomb that was going to explode and the the Muslims in that part of the world were so angry that actually someone was killed for having um, published that cartoon. We're uh, coming up on uh, way past our time actually together, but it, it just seems like we're just scratching the surface. And I, I can't wait to to know more about the musical and see the musical and all of that. But in the meantime, we get to hear another song from the musical. And and this one kind of wraps it all up. As a matter of fact, it is the oh, oh, oh let's let's give credit to the singers in I'm a Buju. Who do we have? Yeah. Do you have the name, sir? I'm sorry? Oh, do you have you, oh, I, I'll be happy to do it. Yeah. Yes, please. So we have uh, Alyssa Rupert, Liam Roberts, and Casey DeGirdas. And Casey, by the way, is my very, very talented arranger for both albums. And uh, he also sang on a number of the songs. And he was my music director when we performed publicly. A very, very talented young man who is now in Lithuania. That's where he was from. And by the way, you know, having a, a sense of humor about yourself, he came here as a young boy from Lithuania, not being able to speak any English. And he was sent to a Catholic school. 
And so nobody had ever heard of Lithuania. So they all decided that he was Lutheran. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, and he had, you know, he enjoyed that joke too. I mean, I think, I think ultimately, I think ultimately that um, one of the great gifts from God that we have is our humor. And we know that all cultures around the world, all cultures have humor. That's mm. one of the things that distinguishes us as homo sapiens. Well, well, interestingly, actually, uh, Casey is also part of this next song, as is Susan Mackie Miller, right? Right. Wonderful and, singer, Susan Mackie Miller. And, and, and I, I, I'd like to say something about her that is part of the, the miracle of, of writing the musical and having people participate. The first album, I had no money and all the singers volunteered their time. They were professional people, most of them, and they volunteered their time. And when I, because she was a professional singer, I asked her if she would sign a release. I asked everybody to sign a release, right? And she looked at me and she said, I don't know, I have to think about it. <laughs> and then she sang the first song that I gave her to sing. And when she finished the song, she came over to me. She said, I don't have to think about it. I'm signing it right now. Mm. Ruth Brody Sharon, I know what you're doing, she mm. said. And we need it. We need this. So That's that so was beautiful. also part of the miracle that people people got it. When they, when they heard the music and they understood that there was something larger here than just music and lyrics and, and entertaining, that there was something behind behind all of this that that was seeking a bigger purpose and and so people and people get it when they hear it they get it and that's wow. why this last song this is who we are is um that's kind of our, the anthem of everybody that's going to be in the in the musical that's everybody on the stage together from all the different faiths standing together if you can imagine them with turbans with hijabs with with tunics, with togas, with, you can imagine all of humanity standing together on the stage singing this song. I think you'll really know why the musical was written. Here is Ruth Brody Sharon's This Is Who We Are from the musical Interfaith, the final song on the Life Changes show.
Interfaith, the musical, with our guest, the creator of the musical, Ruth Broidy Sharon. Thank you for sharing that. What a grand humanity indeed. Uh, I, I have to also let everybody know that the uh, musical uh, volume one and volume two is available, and you can get that at interfaiththemusical.com. Also, you could find Ruth uh, Sharon on Facebook and Interfaith the Musical on Facebook. We have all her links on the LifeChangesShow.com website uh, for uh, Ruth uh, Sharon. And also that if you are feeling inclined to be a part of this movement, of the journey of the musical, you could support by buying the albums, you could support by telling a friend, you could support by donating, uh, and uh, are, you, are you saying something, Ruth? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so go to interfaiththemusical.com and uh, decide how you may want to be involved. And I want to also think because ruth you and i met maybe a little over a year ago and i think it was thanks to our mutual friend uh uh you know who i'm talking about samuel kiwash samuel kiwash <laughs> indeed so it's a small wonderful world and thank you for being here and sharing your music and Ruth just texted me and said, I love this. So uh, love all the way around. Filippo, Filippo, I got to tell you something. You called Eva Ruth twice 
And so that must also be fortuitous because <laughs> you mean Eva texted you, right? Oh my gosh, you're right. I said yeah. that. And while you were talking to her during the show, you also called her Ruth. So I feel so connected to her now. She's been misnamed my name. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was first speaking with you, I was calling you Ruthie, who is another friend of mine, which is a... <laughs> Uh, an endearing version of the name. So uh, we're all connected indeed. So again, thank you so much for what thank you're doing. You. This was delightful. And thank you for what you do on the show. I think that it's so important to have positive media in our lives. You know, Ava was talking about how difficult it is now with the masks and the vaccines and the social distancing and the, and the alienation and the solitude and and so to have wonderful radio shows that uplift us and remind us of of the everyday miracles is so important. And so I bless you and Dorothea and Mark and everybody who's connected to the program. I Thank second you. what Ruth said just now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ava. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. So Thank you for what you are doing. And Ruth, this was fabulous. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you in person too. I can I can add a lot about humor. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, we look forward to connecting the the, the two of you and uh, and to eventually all being in the front row, uh, seeing the musical Interfaith, the musical. And with yes, that, in the big, orchestra section. It, it, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Uh, and 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 with that, a big thank you to our. Uh, guest once again, Ava Perlman, and to our musical guest, Ruth Broidy Sharon. A thank you to BBS Radio and Doug Newsom for letting us extend the conversation so we could bring this all to you today. And on behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue, and our producer and co-host, Mark Leisure, I am your host, Filippo Voltaggio, reminding you that as your life changes like ours surely did tonight, we're here for you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes.